What is the Huskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 82, Trent Frederick. Not a lot of 82s out there, y'all. Of my little hockey show where once a week I go through all of the major news and what's happenings in the NHL mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames because that's my favorite teams, but I'll be talking about all 32 teams on this podcast. So what's on tap for today? Well, there's been quite a bit. So William Nylander, he signs his big contract. We'll break that whole situation down. The Winnipeg Jets are the best team in the NHL, question mark. We'll be discussing them this week. Edmonton Oilers continue their surge back up the leaderboards we got suspensions we got records being broken let's just let's just dive into this thing and i think we need to start with william nylander who signs his massive eight-year extension 11.5 million dollars per season and yeah i mean general feelings coming out of this contract extension is that it's too much money and i agree it's too much it's way too much. Well, I wouldn't say way too much, but it's definitely too much money for uh, the Leafs to be spending on four players. We've discussed this, so it's really interesting that the Leafs have decided to double down on the whole, we're going to spend a whole bunch of money on these superstars, and they're going to win us a Stanley Cup. Now, has that worked so far? Absolutely not. It has failed Fairly miserably so far, only a second round appearance, and that second round was a pretty wet fart of an appearance, so they're doubling down, they're going to give a whole bunch of money, it's way more money than I expected coming into this season. At the beginning of this year, we were all flipping out at the idea of paying this guy nine, nine and a half, ten million dollars, and now here we are, eleven and a half million dollars, and honestly... Not a whole lot that Trilliving could do. Uh, William Nylander held all the leverage in this contract negotiation. It's rather they let him walk for free, which, I mean, the Leafs, I don't, I can't remember the Leafs letting someone of William Nylander's caliber walk for free. There's been a ton of other guys from the previous generation, like the Bozaks, the JVRs, Jake Gardners, those kind of guys that had value didn't trade them away, kept them, and then just let them lose them for absolutely nothing. So definitely wouldn't have wanted that to go down with William Nylander. And Willie could have probably gotten around that much money, probably a little bit more in in the free agency market. Depends which team would go after him. But it would have been around what he was going to make with the Leafs. But the Leafs have the benefit of a couple things actually they have the benefit of being able to give him that eighth year which no other team was going to be able to do unless the Leafs traded him mid-season which would be I would imagine fairly disastrous to take William Nylander off this team right now and the other thing that the Leafs can do that not a lot of other teams can do is front load his contract with a fuckload of bonuses at the beginning of the year so Basically, what the Leafs have done, they are on July 1st, whenever uh, the the day comes, they're just going to hand over like 90% of William Nylander's contract uh, for that year on day one. So they do this with pretty much all their stars, like John Tavares, Marner, Matthews, they all get huge day one signing bonuses, and then the rest of the year, they're only getting paid like a few hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money in our books, but... For in terms of NHL, it's not very much. So that's cool. That is one of the small benefits that Toronto as an organization can have over a lot of other organizations like Columbus, for example, could not do something like this to hand over $10 million day one to Johnny Goudreau and then just have him fucking play out the rest of the year. They need to kind of spread the money out a little bit. But Toronto being the powerhouse organization that they are with MLSE and everything, they have a lot of money. So they can easily do this. No problem. I think they're, I think on day one now, they said something like they're handing out like $40 million in signing bonuses to the big four or big five, whatever you want to call them. It's basically a big five now because you got virtually everybody locked in. 
Uh, I, I know that Tavares and Marner are, aren't locked in. We'll talk about them in the moment. But you got Nylander, Matthews, Morgan Riley, Marner, and Tavares. I'd say that's your big five. Some people would argue take out Tavares. Some people may argue take out Morgan Riley. But I feel... It's almost like the new Muskoka 5, if anyone remembers that. That was a little bit before my time, but it was like Brian McCabe. It was a bunch of guys that signed like 5x5 five five deals back in the early salary cap, which was just devastating to the team. But regardless, um, almost in a similar situation here, what can we call them? If we can add in one guy, we can call them the Toronto 6. And uh, yeah, so you can have that. I don't know, throw in Callie Yarncroke. He's locked in for a little bit. Regardless, it's um, in my books, it's too much money to pay for William Nylander uh, to make this team a Stanley Cup winner. It's been proven time and time again that, you know, one, two guys, even three guys can't win you a Stanley Cup all by themselves in the NHL. In the NBA, yeah, it's a little more doable to have just a, a handful of guys win you a championship. When it comes to the NHL, it is it's about rolling four lines. It's about having competent really good defense on the back end physical defense that can move you I'm talking playoffs right here and competent goaltending which I mean I've seen it time and time again with the Leafs the offense dries up in the playoffs that's what happens things get tighter it's more physical it's much harder to score and time and time again we've kind of seen the Leafs shrivel up in the playoffs uh, I mean, Nylander's been the most consistent stat-wise. If you go back and look at William Nylander's playoff stats, they aren't mind-blowing. Like, he's not just dominating, but he's doing very well. He's generally <clears throat> a point-per-game player in the playoffs, and he likes to spread the love. He's not like Marner, where Marner's numbers on paper look good. Like, they're like, oh, he's pl- he's pretty good, but he'll just have big games in the playoffs. He'll just have one game where he gets four points in one game, and then he'll go the next five without doing anything. I would much prefer you to just get a point every game, spread the love instead of having one huge performance, and more than likely a blowout game. So that's kind of the outlier with Nylander. He's been kind of the most consistent guy in the playoffs, which is great. It's my massive concern, which is going to be with probably a lot of people, is that now that Nylander has his money, I'm almost, like, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm almost expecting his play to drop off. Is it going to drop off this season? I don't think so, but I think over the course of the summer and once his new contract kicks in, that that pressure, that, that momentum, that, that motivator, that money motivator is now gone. Nylander's got his money, he's set for life, and now he doesn't have to go crazy every single game. I feel like we might start seeing that old Nylander come back where he kind of takes a week off, takes a few games off, goes invisible. I hope not, I really hope not, but that's just kind of the way it always is with these kind of contracts getting signed. Once a player... Like, we'll see the same thing with Sam Reinhart, man. Watch out for that guy. That one's going to be tricky-dicky now that William Nylander just signed his contract, so he's going to be asking for in and around $11 million. Will he get it? I highly doubt it. But it's a dangerous, dangerous contract, man. It's a dangerous contract. And um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I really like William Nylander. He's one of my favorite players on the team he's having an amazing season he has been progressively getting better every single year but you know that kind of thing it's not always linear it's not like next year he's going to have an even better year and a better year I feel like he's this is probably going to be his best season of his career that's just how I feel about it there's going to be no better motivator for William Nylander than to absolutely crush it this year. His teammates are more than likely trying to help him out. And we're more than likely going to see a very similar situation with Marner next year when his contract is up. He's probably going to have the best year of his fucking career next year because that's the way it works. And yeah, so now the question is, okay, so I know a lot of people are upset because Nylander is now making more money than David Pasternak, which... Is absurd. It really is. It's absurd. David Pasternak is a dominant player. He is a player that can, if uh, he can run a line all by himself. I'm not saying that Willie can't. It's that David Pasternak can. He's just better. He's just better. It's it's plain and simply. He's the better player. 
Uh, he scores a shitload of goals. He scores more goals than Willie can. And he, I just think he's an all-around better player. So a lot of people are upset about that. And, you know, honestly, I, I understand it. It's, again, it's the Toronto tax. You got to pay more to keep players here in Toronto. The media sucks. I don't blame them. It's incredibly, it's just a wear. It's just a grind on your mentality to play in Toronto. I don't care what player says it doesn't bother them. It definitely, it has to. It has to. It's so relentless in Toronto. Everything is a story. You can't get away with anything. But, so there's the Toronto tax. There's just a lot, man. There's uh, just, just playing in Toronto. I feel like we have to pay the Toronto tax. So with that, you have to pay that. And, you know, the cap is going up. That's known now, even though it's bit Toronto in the ass last time they predicted the cap going up. But I guess you can't really predict COVID happening. Regardless, I I can't say that I'm really happy with the contract. It's just way too much money. Um, virtually almost you know, a lot of the money that we are going to be getting in the future with all the cap money going up. And I know there's contracts coming off the books and everyone thinks that John Tavares is just going to, you know, oh, I'm just going to sign for league minimum next contract. I highly doubt it. I mean, he's a professional athlete. He's got, he's going to get his money. He's not going to make $11 million, but he's not going to make league minimum either. I still think he's going to be probably whatever... Steven Stamkos signs for I feel like that's probably what John Tavares is going to be looking for um yeah man it's uh it's disappointing that no one in Toronto has really taken that hometown discount maybe Morgan Riley like Morgan Riley I feel like has lived up to that contract uh so far it's very very early but so far so good he's having an excellent year this season and that's kind of what I would expect out of Morgan Riley is he's he's a different animal right like when he signs his contract I don't think that that guy's going to stop until the NHL tells him to stop like okay you have to retire your body is falling apart with Nylander it's just I've watched him play his whole career and I've seen him turn it off I've seen him turn it on so I'm just I'm more of the mind that Nylander is going to not maybe live up to that 11.5 million dollars per season we'll have to wait and see man we'll have to wait and see and then now there's the Marner contract that'll be coming up how much is he going to want some people are kind of predicting now that Nylander is signed long term that they're kind of um, going to play with the idea of what it might look like not having Marner on the team not re-signing him but again like what does that trade look like? Like trading away Marner, you're not winning that trade. You're going to send him off somewhere else and watch him be amazing. So, I mean, they say they want to keep all the stars here. It's been a bad, terrible strategy so far. Hasn't worked whatsoever. We'll see what happens this year. I mean, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't, offense doesn't win Stanley Cups. Not very often. It's, it's very often defense and solid goaltending that'll get you a championship so Leafs doubling down on offense scares me a little bit and again I just haven't seen dominant performances out of the big four the big five in the playoffs yet I've seen good performances but I haven't seen I don't expect them to do what Leon Dreisaitl and McDavid did like putting up 36 points in, in four games or whatever but they need to be well over a point a game like the, the money that you're getting the talent that you have it's now the pressure's on baby pressure's on like you guys got you have to perform in the playoffs and I hope they know what they're signing themselves up to because like Nylander his last contract that was a sweetheart deal that ended up being a sweetheart deal that we didn't know was going to be all that good but it ended up being awesome so now he's making big 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 boy money so now the heat is going to be on so I wouldn't be surprised to see Nylander if he even gets like Let's say in seven games, he gets six points. That's going to piss people off, man. And be like, 11 and a half million? No, that's not acceptable anymore. No, you have to be, you have to be fucking really good. So the heat is on with William Nylander. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he is going to be the whipping boy or something if this year's playoffs don't go very well. Generally, it's always on Marner. Maybe a little bit on John Tavares too. Uh, less so on Matthews. A little bit more lately, but... We'll see, man. I could see William Nylander now that kind of all the 
the micro- microscopes are on him right now with a big money contract. We'll see how that goes with him. But uh, the future kind of makes me a little bit nervous. Like, there's a lot of contracts, like I said, coming off of the books. Is TJ Brody going to make the same money? Is he gone? Like, Connor Timmons apparently is gone, but I really, really like that player. Bertuzzi and Domi, their contracts are coming up. So, again, that doesn't encourage me. It just sounds like, okay, we're going to lose pretty much all of that. And um, some people are kind of speculating that, like, the the mid-tier contracts, like your 5 to $7 million player, they're going to be suffering a lot because the superstar players are taking too much of the salary. And the mid-tier guys are the ones that generally make or break your team. So, Nylander's contract, that kind of made the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, way better because it was a good contract and a player that was playing above his contract, that was great. But more often than not, those 5 to $7 million contracts, if that player doesn't live up to that contract, it is such an anchor on your team. I mean, I mean not, not as much as the Jonathan Huberto one. We'll talk about him in a little bit, but... Um, yeah, they. I don't. I don't think the Leafs are going to have a lot of that kind of thing going on next season. They're going to have to try and find a lot of really cheap, good players, which Dubis was really good at. Treliving, not bad, honestly. I mean, with his depth players, he's been good, but with the players that he spent money on this season, he's been kind of fucking terrible. Like Klingberg, still baffles my mind. That like we all knew that was going to be terrible. It was actually worse than expected. So. No idea what they were thinking on that one. That was one of the most baffling signings I have ever seen the Leafs do. Just fucking dumb. And yeah, they're paying the price for it. Thankfully, I mean, not thankfully, but they got bailed out with him having to go on long-term injured reserves. So yeah, there's that. But they've done well with guys like Benoit. They did good with Gregor. Like, if they can find more of those guys, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a little bit tougher, right? Because... Now the salary cap's going up. Other teams are going to have a little bit more money to play with. Even though we GMs are very bad with that money. They're, they're terrible. They just love to spend every single fucking penny of it. No, like, Expecting that, oh, nothing will happen in 82 games. Not a single injury. Nothing will go wrong. Let's just spend every penny. And then when something goes wrong, they go, what the fuck? What the fuck? And then they complain about the salary cap. But I, anyway, it's too much money. Way too much money. And we'll see how the Leafs deal with it down the line. You're going to have to get very lucky, find some very lucky signings, and get find some Michael Buntings, find some Zach Hymans out there. And, uh, yeah, so they're going to be busy finding those kind of players because <clears throat> you're not going to be able to fill out the team with a lot of premium depth or even good top six, middle six players to play with these superstars. You're going to be finding your Cali Yarncroaks, a guy that's maybe a top nine, middle six player, but he's going to be playing top six. And he'll probably do fine because he's playing with Nylander, Matthews, and so on, so forth. But curious to hear what y'all think about the Nylander contract. I don't like it, but it's it's there's really not much you could do with it, man. There's There's... There really wasn't. So, and it's all no move. Like, all these guys have no move contracts, so they're fucking locked in forever. You could do worse. Like, at least these guys are in their prime. They're playing great. Like, they're putting up a lot of points, which is which is fantastic. I just look I just think long term it's it's not the right idea. And uh we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but that is what it is. So we'll uh, we'll stick with the Leaf talk right now, and and one of the odd things that is going on right now is that Martin Jones is playing outstanding hockey right now as the Leafs' third string goaltender. So is he actually the third string goaltender, or is this guy the bona fide starter of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, his numbers would suggest, yeah, I'm the starter right now. He hasn't played in a lot of games, but goddamn man, I I was fine with the Martin Jones signing when they got him. It was wasn't for a lot of money or anything and I know that his statistics career-wise haven't been very good over the last uh, handful of seasons but the the outlier for me was that the dude put up 27 wins last year and that means a lot to me especially when it comes to 
backup goaltenders, whatever. They just, they need to come in and win. That's all I want you to do. I don't care if you play fucking on your head, if you're playing bad, just get the win. And that's what Martin Jones did. But now, not only is he getting wins, this dude is also putting up outstanding numbers. He had like a 930 save percentage. He was the second star of the week with like a 950 save percentage, a shutout against his old team. Like, goddamn, man, Martin Jones has kind of saved the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. Joseph Wall continues to be week to week. Every time they bring it up, they're like, another couple weeks, another couple weeks. So everyone's speculating that Joseph Wall didn't suffer the injury that they said that he did. They said that that was a high ankle sprain, but the people that have really looked at what is going on, it doesn't seem like they're being truthful about that injury. So... I don't know. There's no actual update on Joseph Wall, which is extremely concerning to me because he's on my fantasy team and I need him in my net. But uh, right now, thankfully, Martin Jones is here while Samsonov is trying to figure out how to play an NHL game again. And Joseph Wall continues to be a medical mystery. We have no idea what's going on with this guy. And, oh, I hate when they do this. When it just, it just keeps, it's just another week, another week, and another week, and fuck, who knows when Joseph Wall is coming back. At this point, thankfully, Martin Jones is playing out of his mind. How long can he keep it up, though? Like, he was kind of the bonafide starter for Seattle, but again, his numbers weren't great, so can we, are we going to see a drop-off in Martin Jones's numbers? It wouldn't be very shocking, but the Leafs are playing really good. In front of him, he's playing really good. They seem to play well in front of him. They seem to want to win in front of him. Not like when they're when they would play in front of like Peter Mrazek and Samsonov. There's like a tension. There's it, it's not the same team, right? So I'm feeling great with Martin Jones in the net right now. It's it's worked, man. It's it that's that's been one of the good signings for Tre Living as well. So I'm happy with Martin Jones. Uh, that game earlier this week uh, with the whole uh, they did the California road trip. They actually crushed it. They got all six points on the road trip. I am very proud of this team uh, for doing that. They took down the the Kings, which that was great. That was the only one that I was like, okay, if they lose that one, okay. But Kings are kind of struggling right now. We'll talk about them, but. Then they come and they they take down Anaheim in a in a tight one. I mean, fucking Dostal having the game of his life. I was fucking watching that game. I'm like, are we fucking are we serious right now? Like, this is something I'm so used to seeing. Like the Leafs going up against a team that's maybe not that good, and they're gonna throw in their backup goaltender, even though Dostal is maybe their starter right now. Throw this guy in, and he goalies us completely. It's like, oh my god. The dude almost broke, like, NHL records. He had, like, over 50 fucking saves. He was incredible. And people were like, who is this guy? I'm like, how do you not know fucking Dostal? Like, he's been around for a very long time. He's been next up for John Gibson for the Anaheim Ducks. They've just been waiting to get rid of John Gibson. But anyway, what a hell of a performance for, for Lucas Dostal. Uh, the future looks pretty good for that kid right there. I mean, it was only one game, but that was a pretty damn encouraging game. Uh, damn. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have another one of those in the tank against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was, um, yeah, I, those games are frustrating to watch, man. You're like, oh my God, please don't lose this game right now. And then the other part of the story was they had back-to-back games against San Jose, who was, Kurt, I think they were on a 9 or a 10 game losing streak at that point, and everybody was chalking it up. Oh, the Leafs are going to lose that game. San Jose is going to get out of that streak because that's what the Leafs have always been known for. If there's a guy on a schneid, like, oh, he hasn't scored in 8,000 games, you better fucking believe he's scoring tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, this guy is coming in. He He's from Toronto. You better believe he's going to have a fantastic game. Oh, this team sucks. They're on a fucking huge losing streak. You better believe they're going to have the game of their lives against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, but not this week, baby. The Leafs put away the San Jose Sharks. They fucked them up the other night. What, 7-1? to one? I was actually proud a little bit because I'm so used to watching those games and the Leafs play down to their opponent they're like oh the Dan O'Day Sharks we're just gonna come in and play like a couple of fucking bunch of I can't even just play like a, a bunch of idiots like they're an NH it's yeah I hate when they play down to their opponents and it and it looked like they didn't they they're like, I. what I wanted from the Leafs is like yo you're playing a shitty team let's make it stat night let's fucking 
just build up the points. Let's just make our goal differential look amazing. Let's just destroy this team. Fuck it. And that's kind of what they did. And that made me very happy. And what used to be a dreadful California road trip has actually turned into something that's like not that bad. I wouldn't say vacation worthy, but because for me, it's still a little bit uh, tense because I don't like the Leafs losing to teams that are bad and they didn't so I'm very happy for the Toronto Maple Leafs this week they're on a winning streak they're doing good exactly what I expected them to do they generally go through their kind of Christmas slump and then they come out of the the that break just firing and that's exactly what they're doing right now and I'm expecting a very strong January out of the Toronto Maple Leafs I can't remember I think they got I forget who they're playing Thursday, but they are playing Colorado on Saturday, so that's going to be a pretty damn big game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though Colorado, they're not, like, the powerhouse that they they have been. They're missing, they're definitely missing Landeskog. That has definitely been, like, a key missing ingredient for the Avs, but I'm excited for that game there on Saturday. This week's you know, with the the lack, the lower end California teams, I, I honestly wasn't very excited for this week's or this past week's hockey. But it was it was a lot better than I expected. They actually won, and that made me happy. So that was cool. Speaking of making me happy, let's talk about the Calgary Flames. Even though they they <laughs> they are and aren't making me happy. So what's making me happy is that Oliver Shillington is nearing his NHL return. Maybe he's already back. I don't know. But that's fantastic. The guy has been gone for, um, what's the word, um, personal reasons. He's been gone dealing with whatever. I have no way, like, I haven't heard a single, single shred of information on what he has been dealing with. Uh, that's totally up to him. If he wants to keep that to himself, that's absolutely fine. But I'm just happy to see that Oliver Shillington is hope- hopefully coming back to the lineup soon. I think he was playing some games with the uh, the Hitman or something, their minor league team, so that's good. Um, he was always a solid defenseman that had some potential, but then this happened, so we'll see. Uh, my expectations are tempered because he hasn't played NHL games in so long, but great to hear that. Also with the Flames, there's... So, the Chicago game that went down this week, just fucking inexcusable... That, that Chicago team was, like, below NH, below AHL level. Like, they had $13 million on the salary cap on the ice that night, and the Flames lost. Inexcusable, that was a embarrassing loss. Thankfully, they came back swinging last night with a win. But, underratedly, the Flames have been wasting a couple of fantastic seasons. So, up first, it's Jacob Markstrom. This guy is having a excellent season and it's getting wasted if he did if he had this season last year flames would have won a stanley cup oh my god but of course it's just it's not lining up this year markstrom's great but the team in front of him not so good they can't score and markstrom the last time i checked he was actually leading all goaltenders with goals saved above expected which is insane so markstrom's having a fantastic year he's playing on his head he's doing great and uh yeah the flames in front of them uh in front of him aren't doing it so is there a possibility that markstrom gets traded i i mean it's it's very unlikely because that contract is quite hefty and has still got some time on it but maybe new jersey gets desperate enough maybe there's something there with them because at least markstrom is doing his part if he wants to get out even though he has come out and said you know, that was last summer that he said that, you know, minds could change, but he's playing really good. So at least they have that, like they have that to play on. It's like, Hey, you want a really good goaltender? It might be a little bit, maybe they can get a third party brokerage and they can get a double retention on Markstrom to move him. But yeah, it's only because like, I want Dustin Wolf to get up there. They could trade Vladar, but again, there's, there's going to be next to zero value with uh, Vladar. So if I was Boston, honest to God, I'd be hunting down Vladar because they had him in the organization before he was really good with them. And if I was Boston, I would maybe try and consider bringing in Vladar for cheap, get him into the organization. You could probably get him for like a sixth 
and just have him there. And then you can have Allmark, you can maybe trade him away, and just run fucking Swayman and Vladar. I think that would be an excellent tandem, a cheaper tandem. I don't know, that's just something that I've been thinking about, because I remember when Calgary got Vladar, I remember Boston fans, and even, I think they're... Um, Maybe the GM said that, like, that was a hard one, a hard player to lose because they thought the world of Dan Vladar, but they had Jeremy Swayman. So, yeah, they had they had to ditch him. So uh, it's just something that I'm thinking about out there. Maybe there is a trade that can happen with that. But Markstrom's having an unbelievable season, and so is Blake Coleman, man. I'm pretty sure I've already mentioned this guy, but I have to mention him again because I have him on my fantasy team, and he's just he's just been excellent. Scored, what, two goals last night? He's he's just been awesome, and Sharon Govich, man, like that's a player that I called out. Uh, a lot of player, a lot of people didn't like that trade. They were like, "Oh, Sharon Govich, that's all you got for Toffoli." And I I was pretty high on Sharon Govich when they brought him in. I was like, "Yo, this kid, he wasn't getting the opportunity in New Jersey. There's just too much top end talent there." And I thought he had a great opportunity with Calgary. And look at him go. He's been fucking excellent over the last, like, month and a half playing really good hockey. I think he scored two goals the other night. And he's playing a lot of minutes, too. His minutes have skyrocketed. He's getting, like, 20 minutes per game. And he's doing really good. So I'm I'm happy with some things with the Flames. But, again, they're in a horrible situation right now where they're very much so spinning wheels. They're not losing enough for for them to fully just be like, all right, let's just blow it up. And they're winning enough to make them consider re-signing Lindholm, who still wants $9 million. No, don't do it. Don't, if you do it, I'm not a Flames fan no more. I'm done. That's it. I'm over it. If you sign Lindholm for like eight fucking year extension for, for $9 million, I am, I will be so pissed. That will be a no-no. And now it's also going to hurt his trade value if someone wants to pick this guy up they know what he wants so it's like all right are we going to like that's going to hurt his price like some teams might might be like we only want him for a rental we can't re-sign him we don't want to re-sign him so is 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 Colorado still going to have that interest in a Lindholm like if he goes to Colorado would he turn into a nine million dollar player playing with some of the players over there I don't know man like I don't know so Flames have been kind of teasing that idea that the the door is open again with the extension for Lindholm. It's a bad, bad, bad idea. Don't do it. And uh, they're also talking about Noah Hannafin again and and the possibility of him staying, which I'm more fine with him staying, but that's the piece that I think you can actually get something for. So, again, I'm still on the train of sell, sell, sell with the Flames. Uh... They even I was listening to Puck Soup last night and they they brought up because the the five year anniversary of the St. Louis Blues uh, being in last place and going off to win the Stanley Cup that the five year anniversary just passed and they talked about what team this year is in the position to do that and they said the Calgary Flames because they have great goaltending they have some young up and coming players they got a good defensive core on paper it's it's done pretty okay so they teased. That they still they don't think they'll win it, but they're like that's the team that is the most St. Louis Blues 2019 looking. So that also upsets me. I hope no one from the Flames organization heard that and 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 they may consider re-signing all these guys for big mistakes. And uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. So the Flames continue to just be very very up and down. So. Don't you ever lose to Chicago. They, I don't know what it is with the Flames in Chicago, man. Chicago has their number. They whooped their ass all last year, too, which is just like, what the fuck is going on? So, yeah, the, the Chicago Blackhawks really annoying me right now. And I guess now that I brought them up, let's talk about those Chicago Blackhawks. So, not good news for them. Their superstar, you might have heard of him, Connor Bedard, this new little kid that, that whatever, you might have heard of him. Well, he broke his jaw this week, and that sucks. He had surgery, and he's going to be out six to eight weeks. So that's not good for Chicago. They're pretty much fucked unless they play Calgary. If they if they, if they they just play Calgary every night, Chicago would never lose a game. But that's not how it goes. So outside of them beating Calgary, I don't think they're going to be winning very many games. Uh, they really, like Nick Foligno is probably, uh, after Kurashev, their best offensive option. So... Not ideal. Their defense is bad, and Morazic is doing the best that he can. So, yeah, it's going to be a rough go here for Chicago fans. It's 
I, I wouldn't even bother watching the games at this point unless you're a big old Khrushchev fan, which I, I think he's a pretty damn good little player right there. But yeah, the, the, the cupboards are pretty empty there right now in Chicago. But uh, Bedard also got selected for the All-Star game, and he's the youngest player in NHL history to get selected. So that's really cool, but I don't think he's going to be playing in it. Or he might be participating. I have no idea with a broken jaw how, how that would work. Cause, I mean, there wouldn't be much contact. We'll see. I don't know if Connor Bedard is going to make it there. And on on that topic of the, the 32 um, All-Stars getting selected, I'm of the mind that like I like the idea of every team getting represented, but you got to just start doing the right thing for the NHL to grow and just put the best that you fucking have. Like, I, I know it's a great story to see... Oh, fuck, who is the guy? Uh, what, Boone Jenner or something from Columbus? Like, no offense, you're just, you're just not an all-star. There's no all-stars on Calgary this year. I'm sorry, there just isn't. Like, there's a lot of teams that, that are struggling to put out an all-star. And then there's teams like the Leafs, there's teams like Edmonton, Pittsburgh, like, that have multiple superstars, high-end names that you would just, it would just be better for them to put those names in there. Like, is it a big deal? Like, I don't even fucking watch the thing anyway. It's it's damn near unwatchable. I have slight interest in it this year just because it is in Toronto, so I'm hoping that they'll actually try, but it's not really the the it's more or less the players don't want to be there and it's very obvious on tv that no one wants to be there and yeah it's generally just kind of like really boring and, and not that interesting so we'll see what they can do this year with the whole million dollars on the line uh it, it could do something for for the whole thing but we'll see in terms of the We'll, we'll talk more about the, the selections after the whole internet thing because NHL selected their 32 and then they're going to leave the rest up for the fans to vote for. I imagine William Nylander is going to get in there. Uh, the Leaf fans are, are more than likely going to be voting quite a bit. So yeah, the All-Star stuff is going on. And speaking of All-Stars, let's talk about that All-Star team of the Winnipeg Jets out there in the western middle Canada area. But oh my goodness, the Jets are unbelievable this year, and goddamn right, man. Like, I, I was pretty high on these Winnipeg Jets, especially that Dubois trade that they did. I thought that was a massive win for the Winnipeg Jets, and man, like, what a turnaround for the Jets. Coming into this year, so many question marks. A lot of people were like, oh, the Winnipeg Jets are borderline maybe going to be a bottom-feeding team, and look at them now. Top of the NHL. Point, they have a point streak going over 12 games now. They they continue to get points in every single game. They have a ridiculous, I think it's up to 25 straight games now of not letting in more than three goals or something like that. And the star of the, of the Winnipeg Jets is Connor Hellebuck. This guy has been sensational. Got a shutout the other night. Fantastic game for him. And he even started out really shaky. I drafted Connor Hellebuck this year because... He's one of the most consistent goaltenders. He is always good, and even on bad years, he's good. So I, I went with Connor Hellebuck, and he started out really bad, man. Like, it, it was really concerning how Connor Hellebuck's season began. He was sub-900 uh, save percentage, and he has absolutely turned it around. 30 games played, 21 wins, 6 losses, 3 losses in overtime, a 2.2 old Oh, goals against average and a 9.23 save percentage with two shutouts. This guy is absolutely killing it this year. Probably the leader in the Vesna right now, I would say. Dude's been absolutely murdering it. And a backup goaltender, Laurent Boissois. He is also doing very well. 9.20 save percentage. He's got six wins in 10 appearances. Not bad. And then the other guys, Mark Shifley, you know. Uh, what with A lot of question marks around this guy's future. And he had kind of, you know, it was a good but also odd season last season. I hate I hate doing that. It was an odd season for Mark Shifley last year where he scored 40, which was a career high. It was excellent, but then he only got like 25 assists and 60-some-odd points, which was low for him. He has always been a point-a-game player, and he is back to that this season. 40 games, 41 points, 14 goals, 27 assists. Back to Mark Shifley numbers. 
it kind of drops off a bit in points there, but they're also playing without Kyle Connor, their best player, and they're they're absolutely dominating right now. So, I mean, goddamn, losing Kyle Connor, who had 17 goals in 26 games, and they're still winning. So that's extremely impressive. Cole Perfetti has taken a step forward this year. Josh Morrissey is proving to everybody that last year was not a fluke. Nikolai Ehler is bouncing back in a pretty damn good way. 14 goals, 18 assists, 32 points in 40 games. Nothing wrong with that. And some of their little pickups over the last season or so have been pretty good. Nino Niederreiter, a good addition. Namastankdanov, a good addition. They brought back Appleton. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was Appleton they brought back. But, man, this is just a very well-constructed team, and I feel like What's, what kicked it off was the Dubois trade because what I love the most about that trade was that they were getting multiple roster players back and two of them are borderline top six players. One or two of them are already better than fucking Dubois this year. Like Gabriel Velarde has tw- in 22 games, 18 points, nine goals, nine assists. Excellent. The other guy that they brought in, I just got to find some of their names. Uh, Kupari, that's that one's a little bit disappointing so far. 15 games, only the one point. There's a lot of talent and upside there. They're just waiting for it to kind of break out. And then I, Alex Iafalo, a good middle six forward, 17 points in 40 games. It's all about that depth, baby. And the Winnipeg Jets, they're, they're just able to roll the lines out. I mean, goddamn, now that Velarde is back and he's healthy again, that a really good addition, and I think it was just an all-around great move. They get rid of that kind of dark cloud of Pierre, or Pierre Dubois, or whatever the fuck, and it's been great for them, man. They they moved on from Blake Wheeler, they re-signed uh, Shifley and Connor Hellebuck, and they have been fantastic. So, yeah, I don't think a lot of people saw this coming out of the Winnipeg Jets. They're currently 27-9-4, and first place in the Central. They're eighth in goals four per game at 3.43. First in the NHL in goals against at 2.33. Power play could use some work only running at 18%. And their penalty kill can use some work as well. So this team has room to improve and get even better. So that's scary. That's scary right there. They're first in the NHL. And they can they can still get a little bit better right there. If their penalty kill... I don't know. I really, that's kind of an, a really strange number with Connor Hellebuck playing so well, but the penalty kill is, isn't is good. So usually that, that kind of falls on the goaltender. So I don't know. I have to have to see what's going on with their penalty kill. But uh, fuck, man. The Jets are soaring right now. They're doing very, very well. Good for them. Speaking, actually, hold on. Let's Since we, we talked about uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, let's take a look at this guy. Uh, has not been doing good whatsoever. Uh, this season... He's only got seven goals, nine assists, 16 points, and he's played in all the games for Los Angeles. So not not a great start for him over there. And the Kings have been slumping. They're on like a five-game losing streak right now. And, you know, if I was a Kings fan, I'd be a little bit nervous because the Edmonton Oilers, bro, are on a fucking mission. These guys cannot be stopped. I think they're up to like 16 wins in their last 19 games or something outrageous like that. And they are fucking rolling, man. McDavid is McDavid again. Zach Hyman might be the best player on the team. I mean, Zach Hyman is incredible, man. I am so happy for this guy. Like, I'm super sad that we didn't get to keep him, but I'm happy that he's gone off and he's done what he's done. McDavid's going crazy. He's got 55 points now in 35 games. He's going to be catching up to McKinnon and um, Kucherov for the points leader. Leon's catching up. He's getting up there. Zach Hyman's been excellent all year long. Evan Bouchard's getting it done. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is getting it done. Like, Jesus, man. And, of course, the goaltending has improved. It's not excellent but you know at least Stuart Skinner is now above a 900 save percentage at 901 and and he's getting the wins right now so yeah and and the scary thing is I don't even think the Edmonton Oilers are even in a playoff spot as of yet let's take a look at the standings let's see if these guys are even in a playoff spot right now and that just goes to show you how okay so they just cracked into the second wild card spot so that goes to show man how big of a hole that they dug themselves in at the beginning of the year and 
how much you have to win to get yourselves out of it. That's why it is so important to win those games at the beginning of the year. Not every team can do what Edmonton is doing and win 19 of 16 games or whatever. They are, that is not something that is normal. And um, yeah, good for Edmonton, man. They're, they're just climbing. They're doing amazing right now. And um, maybe next week we'll be uh, talking about them cracking into the tops of the Pacific Division, right? That's where they're at which is currently uh, being led by Vancouver, which is very strange still. Edmonton's at 43 points. LA is at 47. So again, you know, if I was Los Angeles, they've lost five in a row. Edmonton is surging. They're on like a seven or eight game winning streak right now. I'm not saying that LA is in danger of necessarily getting, uh, missing the playoffs, but if they do continue playing like this, then yeah, absolutely. And Phoenix Copley is down. He is injured for Los Angeles Kings. So yeah, things right now aren't going excellent. I can only imagine that the knife uh, is twisting a little bit watching uh, Winnipeg being so so successful with their players over there. So uh, pretty interesting. Also with the um, Los Angeles Kings, David Riddick is going to be taking over for the backup goaltending job. Uh, you know, he's been okay, but Big Save Dave hasn't really been Big Save Dave for quite a while. Uh, maybe not the goaltender you want back there. Is there something they can do with a trade to bring in another goaltender? I think they'll be fine for now, but if they continue slumping, something's gonna have to happen. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what's going on with the Los Angeles Kings. But what is going on with the San Jose Sharks? is that they're losing a lot of fucking games right now. Oh my goodness. Uh, not only did they get absolutely blasted by the Leafs, uh, they're winning, their losing streak is now over 10 games, uh, 10 regulation losses in a row. This is the second 10-plus game losing streak of the season. And on top of that, Benning is out for the rest of the season. He had season-ending hip surgery. So yeah, just piling on the love for the San Jose Sharks. I mean... I mean, I mean, did you, I don't think anyone expected them to have a good season. They're doing what they need to do, man. Hopefully they can get a Celebrini, get someone really good in the draft this year, and we'll see them build back up really slowly. They still have a, uh, they have a long way to go, man. They have a long way to go. But a team that doesn't have as long of a way to go is the Seattle Kraken, who are one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, probably beside the Edmonton Oilers. They're on a seven-game winning streak out of nowhere. I feel like they did this last year to me where they just went on this huge winning streak that really nobody was talking about. And goddamn, man, Seattle has found themselves right behind the Edmonton Oilers in the uh, in the standings. So they're also got themselves back into the hunt. And a big reason for this is Joey freaking Decord, man. This guy has been playing excellent. Let's just pull up his stats. And the big reason is that Philip Grubauer goes down. So that is your key to success. Seattle Kraken, stop playing Philip Grubauer. He's trash. He's got an 884 save percentage in 17 games. Not good. Joey Decord, though, in 25 games, he has a 2.28 goals against average and a 923 save percentage. So this guy is rejuvenated the Seattle Kraken and they are back in the hunt so that is excellent he is playing very very well I don't think anybody saw this coming and overall I mean the team kind of looks like the Calgary Flames like they have wow that is a lot of minuses on their team and nobody is really uh, a point of game or anything Vince Dunn is having another excellent season 40 games played 34 points as a defenseman very very impressive right there and then the next leading scorer is Oliver Bjorkstrand, 30 points in 40 games. So they're not scoring. They're still struggling to score. That is definitely a big problem for the Seattle Kraken. But their defense and keeping the puck out of the net for them has been really good. They're one of the better teams. If I, I just lost all their statistics because, you know, that's how the internet works. So we'll pull up their stats again, but they are currently 10th in the league with their goals against per game. Their penalty kill is 13th. It's just they got to find some goal scoring on this team. Uh, Matty Benier's really got to get going in the back half of this season. He's really struggling, but uh, he's been playing better. But yeah, man, there's some really big outlying minuses on this team like Jared McCann, Matty Beneers, they're both minus 12s, minus 8s, minus 9s, like yeah, there's some big minuses here, 
Their top lines are definitely, it looks like they're getting caved in a little bit by the bigger competition. But at least Joey Decord right now is, is giving them a chance. How long can Joey Decord keep it up and keep the Seattle Kraken in the running? I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't know if I like the Kraken or not. It's just because my hatred for for Philip Grubauer is so very strong, and he plays for them, so that makes liking them a little bit difficult. But they're, I don't know. I just think Seattle's pretty key. But there you go. They're they're on a fucking huge winning streak, and we'll see how much longer they can continue winning. So speaking of winning, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to pass Patrick Waugh on the total wins list, which is amazing. And something that we are, it's going to be rough. It's going to be, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say rough, but it's going to be, we may not see goaltenders hit over 500 wins uh, in a while, man. I don't know if we're going to see, like, the goalies that are up for contention is like Vasilevsky, Connor Hellebuck those kind of goalies and there are some absolutely untouchable uh goalie records like I think it's Glenn Hall he played he started in like over 500 consecutive games that's just that that NHL is over the way that goaltending works now now we're on like a three goalie tandem system so a goaltender starting in 500 straight games you're never going to see that happen again. And Martin Brodeur's win record. I don't think anyone's ever going to touch that. Like, it's just untouchable. Marty Brodeur, the most winningest goaltender of all time. And he slaughtered that list. He is so far up there. But Marc-Andre Fleury, man, what an excellent career. And um, people are going to look back on his career as being the first overall pick. In that insane 2003 draft. And I think, honestly, he lived up to it. Was he the best goaltender all the time? No, but he's got three Stanley Cups. He's always winning. He gets a lot of wins, lots of shutouts. And he is one of the most beloved NHL players probably of all time. At least of my generation. I love Marc-Andre Fleury. And congratulations to him passing Patrick Waugh, which is incredible. Like, I can, I, I would imagine that Patrick Waugh was one of his heroes growing up. French-Canadian goaltender. So that's got to be a really big deal for Marc-Andre Fleury. Congratulations. Speaking of a big deal, Sidney Crosby, a former teammate of Marc-Andre Fleury for a very long time, has passed Joe Thornton at 12th all-time on the points leader list. Sidney Crosby getting close to top 10 of all-time. He could possibly make it. I think Phil Esposito is his next person to pass, which he's going to pass him at some point. I just don't I don't know if it's going to be this season or not. That would be like 50 more points, I think. But Sidney Crosby's having another excellent season, so it wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he did. But Sidney Crosby, man, like that conversation comes up. He's is he on that Mount Rushmore? I can't really answer that because the guys that are generally on the Mount Rushmore. I didn't get to watch play. I didn't get to watch Crosby, Lemieux, Bobby Orr. I didn't get to watch those guys, Guy Lafleur. So my opinion would be completely different. Like, I, I can't sit here and say that I would have Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux. Like, I can say that, but, like, I can't really justify it in any other way uh, other than the statistics that are there in the history. But I didn't get to watch that guy. But I think Sidney Crosby... Uh, Man, you give that guy another four or five years in the NHL, and and three of those years, he's probably still a top elite player. And then after that, it's like maybe maybe he's like a 60-point guy in 80 games with the last couple of years of his career. Still, still good, but obviously he's not Crosby no more. But right now, he's still Crosby. He's climbing up that top 10 list. So is Crosby good enough had a good enough career as of now to make it onto a Rushmore is he a top 10 player of all time I don't know that's that's definitely a conversation for another day but as of right now Sidney Crosby passing Joe Thornton on that all-time points list very impressive speaking of impressive let me talk about the uh, PWHL for a minute the, the the women's hockey league has been crushing it right now and this is awesome I I have to watch a game I have not gotten my eyes on a game yet but I hear nothing but good things fast fucking uh, highly skilled hockey and they're breaking attendance records man like back to back they break a record with 8,000 people over 8,000 almost 9,000 people at their first game and then they slaughter that record they had like Almost 14,000 people at the Minnesota game. So 
What an excellent start for the PWHL. I don't think they could have really asked for a better start. Maybe it would have been better if they had some logos and names for the teams, but as of right now, that doesn't seem to be a major issue, which, okay, that's fine, but yeah, man, I mean, a great start for the PWHL. That is very good to hear. I would have been sad if it was like, oh, they, you know, they played this game. They had this great game, but it was like a half-empty building. But that has not been the case. They've done very well for themselves so far. I would, I got to watch a game. Maybe if there's a game on tonight, I'll pop it on because there's no Leaf game for me tonight. So maybe I'll watch some PWHL and see what all the hubbub is about. I actually watched a couple uh, videos of some of the women on the teams. They're just like doing, they're smelling, doing a smelling salts challenge. And a lot of them just seem like pretty fun personalities. Like they already just seem like a lot, like more fun naturally than the men players are just in those kind of situations. A lot of NHL hockey players are just very like plain toast, like kind of very, very bland. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, let me know. Have you watched any of the PWHL games and, and what's your favorite team so far? I, I haven't picked yet, but I think naturally I would have to pick the Toronto team. But um, there's some pretty compelling players uh, on Boston, but I can't. I, there's no way I could root for a Boston team. I'm sorry. But yeah, man, PWHL doing really well for themselves. Uh, someone who isn't doing so well for themselves, uh, sadly, is uh, Christian Dvorak in Montreal. He is going to be having season-ending surgery, which is never a good thing to announce. So... Um, Since we're talking about bad stuff, let's just kind of rip all the bad stuff out of the way here. Arizona, uh, Jason Zucker suspended three games for boarding Nick Cousins, and that brought out a whole fucking bag of worms on Nick Cousins. He's getting called out by Bieksa on the panel for being a chicken shit, basically. And it's like a known thing around the NHL with this guy. He goes around starting shit with players, and then when it's time to fight, he fucking falls to his knees and begs for his life. Please, no, don't hit me in the face. And uh, yeah, he's become one of the most hated players in the NHL, but absolutely beloved by whatever team that he's playing for. And I get it, man. Like, I think all 31 GMs would say, yeah, I'd love to have that guy on my team, or every, every coach in the NHL would say, I'd love to have that guy on my team, but... Yeah, getting called out by BXA on on the panel on on national TV. That's gonna definitely get him some hate. They were talking about it a lot on Spitting Chicklets. Fucking Bizonette tried to call him live on the podcast to to basically chirp him and talk shit to him, but he didn't answer the bell, which is very familiar. So yeah, that happened, and Zucker getting a three game suspension. You know, basically teaching him a lesson a little bit. I think he's fine with taking it for now. And then uh, New York, we got uh, Philip Heedle. His uh, slow recovery from a concussion has started to get some people a little bit concerned. Now, I I didn't even know that this situation was happening. It's kind of new to me. So uh, that's something I'll keep my eye on and and look a little bit more into. But that is something that is going on right now. I hope everything's okay. And I hope that they're they're doing their the right thing by taking things slow and not rushing them into it. Uh, He's a good little player, man. I'm actually... a big, I, I love that line, the kid line in New York with Kako, Heedle, and Lafreniere. That was a really fun line, and Heedle arguably was playing the best on that kid line. So hopefully that he can come back. That's uh, you never, you don't want to see something like that. We just saw it recently. A young player, Nolan Patrick, having his NHL career kind of abruptly ended, and a very highly touted skilled player. You just don't want to see guys like that go down and we didn't get to see what they're made of really yet so hopefully Heedle is doing okay and he gets back soon speaking of doing okay the NHL is going to be starting a new mental health assistance program which is excellent I mean we're seeing it more often than not now players going into assistance programs for mental health reasons not just drugs and alcohol that's where everyone goes First, when a player says, hey, I'm going into this program, they're like, oh, what an alcoholic. Oh, he must be addicted to drugs or whatever. It's like, no, not everybody. Some people are dealing with serious mental disabilities. And uh, one of those guys was, in fact, Connor Ingram. And he credits therapy with changing his life. And look at him go now. He's, he's one of the best goaltenders in the league this season. Uh, absolutely becoming a star before our eyes. And he thanks therapy for that. He was going through, I think it was OCD is what he was dealing with. Went and addressed that problem. And, and it looks like he fixed it, which is awesome, man. Like, I mean, 
I'm, I'm very happy when people come out and they, they're, they're vocal about this stuff. And, you know, that's part of the healing process. Uh, you know, you got to talk about uh, the things that you're struggling with, even though it's really hard and, and, and all that stuff. But it, it, and it doesn't happen overnight either. Like Connor Ingram, this was, I think he said three years ago where he started therapy. And yeah, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that he has probably worked very, very hard at clearly. And, and it's really good to see that the results are coming out. So good to hear, you know, the NHL are, are doing something, adding in some programs to help out the players. Because I imagine now more than ever with the media, social media and, and all that crap that, you know, a mental toll is, is probably harder on people than it ever has been. So many cameras on you all the time. Whatever you say is picked apart and all that stuff. So good to see that the NHL are trying to take care of the players a little bit with their mental health. So that that's encouraging. That's nice to see. And speaking of nice to see, Max Pacioretty. Pacioretty has made his season debut finally with the Washington Capitals. And so far, so good. He's not hurt. He didn't re-injure, re-injure himself immediately upon return, which is really good. He's got a one, one assist in three games, but they're taking him slow. It's not like he's getting thrust right into top-line minutes and everything. He's only played... Uh, 12 minutes in the first game, 14, 13. So, you know, they're they're easing him into it, but it's good, man. Like, Pacioretty's always been a really good player, and he's just recently had a... Well, he's always kind of had bad injury luck, but more so recently than, than, than often or whatever. But, uh, yeah, he's come back. He's playing. The Capitals need some goal scoring, even though Ovechkin has kind of starting to get things rolling here a little bit. And the Capitals, uh, not so much. They're starting to fall off. But as expected, because the whole all year long now, they're, they're winning games, but no one can figure out why. It's like, how are they? What the fuck is going on with the Capitals? But, hey, Pacioretty's back, and that is pretty cool. Speaking of pretty cool, the... United States have won gold at the World Juniors, winning a 6-2 over Sweden. So congratulations to the United States. I think it is going to be the first, or not the first of, uh, not their first gold medal ever, but it's going to be the first of, I imagine, many incoming for the United States. Their their program is amazing. They got all these crazy good young players coming up. And I know the discussion uh, with this tournament a little bit is the fact that, you know, Team Canada wasn't Team Canada. They didn't have all their best players. They didn't have Connor Bedard. And, and yeah, I mean, sure, that's fine. I mean, it is what it is. But that doesn't mean you take away the win from the United States. They still won. They won in the finals. They beat Sweden, a good team right there. But, yeah, if Canada had Connor Bedard on it, they, they probably would have been better. Would they have won? I wouldn't say yes, necessarily, because... You know, Connor Bedard is one player in the United States, just had a powerhouse team, like, top to bottom. And, uh, yeah, so congratulations to the United States. Uh, one of the bigger stories uh, coming out of that is a player that was on Team uh, United States, and that is Cutter Gauthier, who has been traded away from the Philadelphia Flyers to the Anaheim Ducks. A shocking trade that kind of comes out of absolutely nowhere, but some people did kind of see this one coming a little bit before it happens so there was a rumor going around that a United States uh, junior player had said that what, uh, the team that he was drafted by he wasn't going to sign with so people were speculating who this was apparently it was Cutter Gauthier he doesn't want to play for the Philadelphia Flyers his reasons are his own I that's up to him I mean I almost want to praise him for coming out and saying like hey it's probably just, it's just not going to work out here. I don't want to play here. So, you know, let, let, let's do something about that. And, you know, again, this goes back to Pierre-Luc Dubois, like <clears throat> players, you know, expressing where they would like to go. And, and if they don't want to play here, then they probably shouldn't. Like maybe Cutter Gauthier is just looking out for his career. It's like, I'm not going to like playing for the Flyers. It might fuck my career up. So let's try and get me somewhere else. And the Flyers do that. They make the trade. They acquire Jamie Drysdale and a second round pick in 2025. So this is a very interesting deal. Uh, way too early to tell who wins this. Cutter Gauthier hasn't even made his NHL debut yet, but he's a very highly touted prospect. I think it was a fifth or sixth overall pick uh, in 2022. 
and Jamie Drysdale, a fifth or sixth overall pick in 2020, I think it was. Regardless, Jamie Drysdale has played in the NHL. He's played some NHL games. Does have a little bit of an injury history that was looked into by the Flyers. They said that he's 100% good to go. So, I mean, it's kind of a hockey trade here. I, I kind of like this deal for both sides. Like, the Flyers could use some help on the back end. They have a decent crop of forwards. I mean, it would have been great to keep Cutter Gauthier. I imagine they would have preferred to keep him. But if word got out around the league that this kid didn't want to play, they were nervous that they were going to start getting these low ball offers for a player that doesn't deserve low ball offers. That's just how it goes. When when the Sharks smell blood, they come running, and they're going to just try and pick this guy off, off from the Flyers for dirt cheap. But... I think getting Jamie Drysdale back, a top-end um, defenseman, now he's not a top two, not a top four yet, but he could develop into that. And I think him going over there and developing with John Tor- Tortorella's team and the way that they play, structured defense, it could be really good for Jamie Drysdale. So watch out for this kid. He might not put up a fuckload of points, but he could develop into an excellent top four maybe a top two defenseman that's that's maybe pushing it and a second round pick to boot so not bad work for the philadelphia flyers considering the situation and now the ducks so the ducks they have always had a plethora of young up-and-coming defensemen so they were in the market to move one of these young defensemen they have zellweger coming up they they have michukov who's playing so it made sense for them to you know, we can move one of these and bring in a highly touted fucking point-getting guy. So that is something they're looking for, someone to add into that top six with McTavish on the... Oh, buddy, man, this could be... Man, imagine a line of, like, McTavish, Zegris, and Cutter Gauthier. Like, oh, my God, the talent. So I like this I like this move a lot for the Ducks. It makes a ton of sense for them. It's a good deal, man. I think like if I could if I had to pick a winner right now, I'd say the Ducks, I guess, just because I think in the long run, obviously, I think Gauthier is going to put up a lot more points than Drysdale will in his career. But again, Cutter Cutter Gauthier, great name, hasn't made his NHL debut yet. Could he make it now with the Ducks after a really good he had a great showing in the in the World Juniors? So, who knows? Maybe Cutter Gauthier makes an appearance this season with the Ducks. They're, they're down uh, Leo Carlson as well. That's another guy. Like, oh, my God, Cutter Gauthier with Leo Carlson and, like, a Troy Terry on the – oh, my God, man. Like, yeah, man, I, I would be very excited as a Ducks fan uh, with this trade. I mean, they're probably not amped about losing Jamie Drysdale, but with these other young defensemen up and coming – I think it's a pill that they're willing to swallow. So I, I, I like this deal quite a bit. It's a pretty fun little deal. It's, you know, it's always disappointing. I know Flyers fans are, are probably a little hurt in the pride. You know, it's it's never nice hearing a player say they don't want to play for you. That's never cool. But, hey, at least you got something for it. And I don't think Jamie Drysdale is, he's a lot more than just something. I think he's going to be a good addition for the Flyers. So well done right there. Cool trade. Hopefully we start seeing a few more trades coming around uh, soon. But yeah, I think that's everything that I'm going to be talking about today, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you so much for listening to the GX Hockey Cast, the GX Plus Cast. We, this is the first episode of Season 3 of the Hockey Cast, so fuck yeah. And again, we are cr- I'm crushing it again in January, so thank you everybody so much for downloading. You want to review the podcast, that would help me out a lot. Uh, yeah, drop a comment. I upload all of these uh, episodes to YouTube on the Gamer GX Videos YouTube channel. The link is in the description. Great place to drop a comment, questions. I would love to answer any questions related to video games, hockey, or wrestling. Just drop a comment. I'd love to carve out a little time on the podcast, answer some questions, and have a good time with that. And you can follow along on Twitter. Again, the link is in the description. And in terms of what we're going to be doing uh, this week with the GX Plus Cast. Planning on Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for the GamerCast and the WrestleCast. Going to be doing the recap, as always. So there you go, everybody. Again, thank you, as always, for listening. And we will be back again with more GX Plus Cast.